Hello, everyone. Welcome to Steeler Country. I'm your host, Tony, and you if you're a longtime listener, you may be wondering, where are Mike and Joe? Uh, they'll be back on the podcast. We're going to be, be running this solo this year, but we'll have rotating guests as the season goes along, and then certainly Mike and Joe will be a part of that. But let's get right to the show. The Steelers defeat the Washington Redskins 38-16 to on Monday Night Football with an offensive showcase. The play fake and the throw to the end zone for Antonio Brown. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. What a call by Todd Haley. A predictable man-to-man situation. They set Antonio Brown up away from Josh Norman, and they go after Brashad Breeland for six. And it wasn't just the offense making big plays. Ryan Shazier made his presence felt as well. Close calls when it comes to turnovers. Again, no blitzing from Pittsburgh. Cousins throws an interception to Shazier. All right, so let's start the show by talking about the defensive side of the ball. There's been a lot of talk about how the Steelers' defense played. Was the pass rush good enough? Was our coverage good enough? And before I get into my thoughts on the defense, I want to take a step back and let's look at what the Washington Redskins brought to the table. Because um, I think a lot of people are discounting that. The Steelers' defense in the past, and, and I think now, struggled with two things. Quarterbacks who like to get rid of the ball quickly, who are basically not susceptible to five, six-man blitzes because they get rid of the ball so quickly. And then... Big playmaking tight ends, right? Everybody knows these are the Steelers' weaknesses. The, the, the Aaron Rodgers of the world. The, the Kurt Warners of the world. And then, of course, the, the, and, and Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski, as we saw last year, right? These are the teams that have the most success against the Steelers' defense and really make the Steelers' defense um, look silly at times. And as you started to come, you started to preview this game, you started to look throughout the week um, leading up to the game. At what this game is going to really look like, what it's going to, how it's going to unfold, and you start to look at well, Kirk Cousins last year was one of the best players in the league, completing something like seventy-three percent of his passes against a blitz, and you looked at what Jordan Reed brought to the table, and he's one of the most explosive tight ends in football right now, outside of Rob Gronkowski, and you started to, to wonder how, just how this Steeler defense was going to match up, right? We've got uh, a young. Very young secondary with Ross Cockrell in his second year. Now he's become the starter, um, but he's certainly no veteran. And you've got Sean Davis playing that nickel role, and he'll probably share that with a little bit of William Gay. Um, you've got Robert Golden in his first time starting. You've got Artie Burns is going to be out there, right? This is a young secondary, and how are they going to do? Because they're going to be asked to cover. You're probably not going to see a lot of blitzes from Keith Butler, right? And if you do, those plays might not, they are really going to be about can can those guys I just talked about, can William Gay, can Ross Cockrell, can Sean Davis, can these guys stay with their guys all the way down the field and not leave not leave cushions? Or, or and if they are going to leave cushions, they have to make the, the tackle at the point of attack, and what is that going to look like come Monday night? And the answer we got on Monday night was that Keith Butler was not going to bring a blitz. He was going to let Stefan Tuitt, Arthur Motes, Jarvis Jones, and Cam Hayward make a four-man rush. And we were going to leave it at that. And sometimes it was only going to be a three-man rush. And we're going to drop eight. Um, we're going to either drop seven or eight into coverage. And we're going to make Kirk Cousins think a little bit. Um, and we're going to try and make the tackle at the point of attack. And early on, early on it did not look good, right? Kirk Cousins was driving down the field pretty much at will those first two drives. Um, but I think what Keith Butler really had in mind in this game was that we're going to let you, between the 20s, right, you can move the ball a little bit. And they did. And I don't think it was – I think it happened a little worse than the Steelers had expected. But certainly the Steelers defense was not about we're going to go three and out every time. We're going to you know, we're gonna shut you down, right? You have to play to your strengths. And our strengths have been the red zone. 
This defense last year was very, very good in the red zone, holding teams to field goals instead of touchdowns. We did it last year in both playoff games. You know, people forget how good this defense was down the stretch last year because they weren't dominant, right? The Steeler fans expect dominant Blitzberg-style defenses. They expect defenses that go out there and punish you. And this defense is not that yet. But if you look back at what happened in Cincinnati and what happened in Denver last year, those are games in which we held them to field goals instead of touchdowns, especially in Denver. That game was 13-12 to when Tucson fumbled, and the Steelers were driving. 13-12. to The Broncos had scored four times in that game, but they had scored four field goals, and that's huge. And that's the kind of thing that when you couple that with a great offense, like the Steelers have, if the other team's kicking field goals and you're scoring touchdowns, you're going to win those games. And that's exactly what happened on Monday night. The Steelers' defense forced them into field goals. Yes, there were yards. Yes, he put up 290 yards or whatever he put up. Kirk Cousins had a decent game stat-wise. But coming out of this game, what are people saying about Kirk Cousins? Oh, he was terrible. He was terrible. He, just, he missed all his throws. He had so many wide-open guys. He could have been so much better. And I think that's what the Steelers were playing into. I'm going to make you beat us, Kirk Cousins. And I'm not going to make you beat us between the 20s. Okay, you can, you can have Jordan Reed over the middle for eight. You can have Deshaun Jackson over the middle. What I'm not going to let you do is I'm not going to let you score when it matters. And that's between the 20s. And you're not going to get big plays against us. They had a couple big plays. One in which I believe the coverage there, uh, we were in a, a, probably a cover two look or a cover three look. And whoever was playing the flat uh, on Desha when Deshaun Jackson came over the middle missed his assignment. And that's why Deshaun Jackson was going over. I know everyone's going to blame that play on Timmons because Timmons didn't have a great game in coverage. It's really not going to have a good year in coverage as we saw last year. It's probably not going to get better as he gets older. Um... But I'm not going to blame Timmons for that play. He's never going to keep up with Deshaun Jackson. And Deshaun Jackson had a nice game and a nice play there. And it, But what does it lead to? What does that play lead to? What are those, when they're converting on third and six and third and four, and that drive just is like going on forever, you're like, my God, is this Steelers defense going to get off the field? What does that lead to? It leads to three. And I'm okay with that. In games like this, I'm going to be okay with that nine times out of ten. If they're kicking field goals, as long as our offense is moving the ball, we're going to be fine. So let's transition over to the offense and talk about that performance because while that, you know, that also started slow, like the defense, it, this game got off to a very slow start for the Steelers. Um, offensively, we went three and out to start, couldn't really convert that third down. Then we do convert and Eli Rogers over the middle and, and everything's looking good and oh, Eli Rogers cuts his route off. It's a weird, that weird, the, the interception to Ben is a weird one because Eli Rogers very clearly running some kind of curl out. Um, he just cuts his route off a little bit. Ben throws it on the, you know, the what Gruden said was the wrong shoulder, probably the right shoulder, but Eli Rogers cuts that route off a little bit, um, and it's tipped and intercepted. Then we come back on that next drive, and now all of a sudden we have the AB fumble, and we have Ben's fumble. I mean, this thing really could have spiraled out of control offensively. And you have to say that this offense got, in some ways, there was luck involved here, right? If Pouncey doesn't dive on that fumble, and Ryan, or if Ryan Kerrigan doesn't fumble initially after Ben fumbles, and then Pouncey drops on it, you know, we're looking at Kirk Cousins at the five-yard line. Um, if if AB's fumble is, is overturned, you know, you're looking at a drive there that ends in a touchdown that, you know, the Red Saints would have end, ended up having the ball again. So, for look, early on in this game, the offense got lucky. But at some point, the wheels, the training wheels came off this thing, and all of a sudden it was like, oh, I remember how to ride a bike. This offense goes. And the thing about this offense that I love, is that it is predicated not just on big plays, not just on dink and dunking it, not just on smash mouth football, but all of those things. All of those things. We can be a team, if you're going to leave Jesse James 
open over the middle, we will burn you with our tight end, like we did with Heath Miller. We will do that with Jesse James, and I and I think Jesse James had a very, very good game. He's not Heath Miller yet, but he did some Heath Miller-esque things over the middle, being very a very sure catcher um, and a very stout runner, uh, and I, I thought he played a very good game. Eli Rogers, again, here's a guy who if you want to double cover A-B on every play— and you want to and you want to double cover, uh, or you want to bring safety help over the top for Sammy Coates on the other side, or if, it, if it's Darius Hayward Bay on the other side, that's fine, because we got this new kid Eli Rogers, and what he's great at, and what he and what the Steelers really haven't had yet, is a Wes Welker type, a guy who can just find space. Coming into this season, there's been a lot of talk with this offense about the players that we're gonna miss, the players we're gonna miss for the whole season, Martavis Bryant. Here's, here's a, here is a superstar playmaker that you're going to take off this offense. And I think there's been a lot of talk about what that's going to do to this offense. I've been a little more hesitant to panic about the Martavis Bryant thing. To me, Martavis has always been icing on the cake, right? He is, he's just the icing on top. What this team really goes with is Ben, Brown, and Bell. And really, De- I mean, D'Angelo is right there. But really, it's, the, it's, it's make sure you have a decent running game. Make sure you have a B in there. And make sure you have Big Ben at quarterback. And that's what makes this thing go. And Bryant was always that icing on the cake. He's another big play guy, right? He's, he's another guy who can make a splash play. And, and that's great. And that's great. But you don't need that because we have a B. A B makes splash plays. When I need a splash play, I go to A B. But it's, it's one of those things where it's like if you're on a basketball team and you have Michael Jordan you know, and you have LeBron James, like, yeah, that's, that's really good. That's going to be a very, very good basketball team. But at the end of the day, when there's two seconds on the clock and you need to take a shot, you can't put the ball in both their hands, right? So uh, there, and what I mean by this is there, there are places on the team for role players, right? For players who aren't, who aren't going to be the national star, but they play a very important role on your team. And I think that's what Eli Rogers does. Eli Rogers is that Wes Welker, find open space, just get to that gap in the defense, maybe a sure tackler or excuse me, a, sure, a sure catcher and then be elusive against uh, tacklers, right? Be able to, to get through guys and making guys miss, um, get some yards after the catch. And that's what Eli Rogers showed in this game. Um, you know, he's young and he had, you know, he had little dropsies in this game. That first, the first catch he had, the first slant, uh, he almost drops, he bobbles it a little bit. He cut his route off on Ben's interception. Um, you know, there were some plays in this game where, you know, you look at Eli Rogers and you go, yeah, I mean, this guy's young. But there are other times when I look at him and I go, this is exactly what the Steelers need. Because all of a sudden now, you have an offense where if you're going to leave Jesse James open, he will burn you with Jesse James. If you're going to leave A.B. in man coverage, I mean, we all saw what happened uh, in to the Washington Redskins when they didn't put Josh Norman, but they did want to play man-to-man against A.B. That is never going to work for you. A.B. torched them in this game. And then... You know, Sammy Coates and Darius Hayward Bay, look, they, those guys leave a lot to be desired to me. I think the Steelers still do have um, an opening at that number two receiver position. I think Marcus Wheaton, when he gets in there, um, can be better. I think Sammy Coates played decent. You know, he, he dropped the screen pass. He, he, uh, he didn't, you know, he, he, didn't, he didn't run the right route on the slant. I mean, he didn't really run it flat enough. Um, and he dropped the ball. I mean, luckily it goes to Eli Rogers. But again, Sammy Coates had an, a, a, just an okay game. He had the great catch down the sideline. He's he's a vertical threat. It's what we need. Um, but he's not fantastic yet. Uh, I want to see more out of him as the season goes along. But at the end of the day, this offense 
is still exactly what we thought it was with if it's Mar- if it's Martavis and Le'Veon and Ladarius Green. I, I forgot to talk about Ladarius Green. Everyone keeps talking about oh Ladarius, but you know Ladarius Green is is the big tight end, and I've talked about it. You've you've heard it on this podcast. Me and Mike and Joe talked about two years ago. Uh, what if the Steelers drafted like one of the these athletic tight end guys that we keep seeing around the NFL now? You know the Jordan Reed type, the Rob Gronkowski type, the Jimmy Graham type. What if they had that too? And the Steelers went out this offseason and tried to get that. But again, to me, that's icing on the cake, right? That's just like, holy cow, now you really... It's, it's the Martavis effect. It's the exact same thing as Martavis. It's like, if you put that on this offense, well then now, I mean, I just, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to defend this. I can't defend Antonio and Martavis and Ladarius Green and still try to, to put enough guys in the box to make sure that Le'Veon doesn't go off. Um, and, uh, you know, these are... But again... You don't need Ladarius Green, right? As Jesse James showed in this game, you don't need Ladarius Green at tight end. It would be nice. It would be better, but it's not necessary. It's not. It's not necessary. And I thought Jesse James had a perfect game um, for for his skill set for what he does. I, I think this offense, uh, and then oh, we have to talk about D'Angelo. I mean, D'Angelo Williams. Again, it started slow. It wasn't you know it wasn't uh, like a, a huge start for this offense or a huge start for the running game, but it was the kind of thing where we kind of wore you down as we go. We were getting up on the scoreboard. The defense is getting tired. And now we need to run the ball to to run out the clock. And I think the biggest drive in this game was not the one where we converted the fourth and one to AB, which is a play that is unbelievable. I loved I love the call. I love the execution. I love the ballsiness of it. I love the idea that if you watch that play, Eli Rogers is so wide open over the middle and Ben doesn't even care. He's going to AB the whole way because this offense is about putting the dagger on you. Yes, I could take Eli Rogers over the middle. And later in the game, when we had another fourth and one, we ran the exact same play and Eli Rogers was open again. And this time Ben went to him. Uh, and I, you know, I loved, I love this offense. Um, but no, the, 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 really the dagger in this game, the one that was the most important, the most impressive to me was the fourth quarter drive. When the, when the Redskins come back and they make it 24 to 16 and every Steeler fan's going, well, this uh, this could there's a there's a there's a world in which this game goes a little differently now and all of a sudden the offense can't move the ball and the defense can't stop them and now all of a sudden we're like ending up in overtime and this could be a very strange ending, but instead of that instead of living in that reality we lived in a reality in which this offense and this offensive line moved people off the ball and D'Angelo did what he's done his whole career which is find open space gaps and exploit them. And he's, he's a very patient runner. He's very Le'Veon-esque. You know, he doesn't have the kind of the, sh- the shuffle that, that uh, Le'Veon does or the jump cuts that Le'Veon does. Um, but he's still very good at finding those creases and exploiting them and exploiting them for yards and yards where you don't see them. There, are, there were plays in this, in this drive and in this game where it was, it was third and one or, or second and two. And it looked like he was just going to run into the line of scrimmage. It looked like D'Angelo was just going to run into the line of scrimmage and then he was going to be stopped immediately. And instead, he puts his head down, he gets small, he finds a little crease, and just shoots through there for the, for the two or three yards that he needs for that first down. And those were humongous plays, right? Those are the plays that play, people aren't going to talk about today. People are going to talk about, look, the got him alert of the century when he, when he went through two defenders. I mean, give, give a lot of credit to Sammy Coates on that one because Sammy did really get the one defender out of the way or at least standing upright and not ready to make that tackle. So that really what D'Angelo was only really doing is, is – beating one defender, not two, but on tape, it looks like he goes through two guys. I mean, he does go through two guys, but one guy wasn't really ready for the tackle. Um, 
but he goes through two guys and gets the gets that touchdown um, to really seal the deal and make it 31. And then of course we got the the 38, uh, the icing on the cake. Look, this is an offense that can that has talked about all off season and really for the last two seasons how much they want to score 30 points a game. And what they showed in Washington on the road against a playoff team, not a great playoff team, but they were a playoff team last year, is that this team can do that. They can put up 30 a game. Really, the only thing standing between this offense and 30 points a game is injuries. Is in, Well, injuries and weed. I mean, you know, if, uh, if Le'Veon's not going to cut it out with the weed, then uh, we're going to have a problem. Um, I guess I guess if he's, he just needs to make sure he attends the uh, the tests, really. I mean, it's not really weed. It's, it's the test. But um, anyway, the, the Steelers can put up 30 a game. This is an offense that can do it. This is an offense right now as it is constructed. Without, if you didn't, if you didn't have Marcus Wheaton and you don't have Ladarius Green and you don't have Le'Veon Bell, this offense can put up thirty a game. This was a very, very impressive performance, and and I think what's what's um, what's going to get lost here is is we're going to go back and we're going to say, well, what happens if you put Le'Veon in this offense, and what happens if Ladarius ever gets back, right? And yes, those things are going to be better, but you're not going to see more dominant offensive performances where we all fall into this like, well, we scored thirty eight. What if we had Le'Veon? Well, what's Le'Veon going to do when, when D'Angelo is breaking out 15-yard runs? I mean, if Le'Veon gets 17, right, and the drive still ends in touchdown, it's not going to be that much better, right? I mean, I'm not, not, I'm not saying that this offense has peaked. You definitely want to have Le'Veon on this offense, and you definitely want to have Ladarius Green in this offense, and you want to have all your pieces in Marcus Wheaton. Um, but this is about as good a performance as you're going to see all year. We're going to face better defenses. We're going to face better defenses next week. Um, and we're going to need to play better in a lot of, in a lot of places. But uh, let's enjoy this for what it was, because this was a very dominant offensive performance, and one that if we can continue a string of performances like this against better defenses, the only thing between this team and the Super Bowl will also be injuries and then drug tests slash weed. All right, let's talk about the Cincinnati game coming up this week. Uh, the Steelers going to go into week two with their home opener against the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, and this is a, this is a rivalry, man. This is a, these are two teams that really do not like each other. Um, there is real bad blood, especially after last year's playoff game. And, and you know, in, in some ways, it reminds me of the Super Bowl era, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand ten Steelers um, and their rivalry with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, that was a very hard hitting. Um, you know, those those were real rivalry games where t- two teams that didn't like each other. Um, you know, the, the Bengals game, the Bengals rivalry now has transitioned from one where, you know, it's two teams who just don't like each other, who are good, uh, to a little more than that. I mean, this has become a very chippy, much more chippy than the Ravens games ever became. Those were games that were hard on the field. Um, this has become a weird one where it's, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of off the field stuff. Um, you know, Munchak throwing Reggie Nelson and Joey Porter's thing with Pac-Man and Perfect going after AB. Um perfect giving the giving Ben a knee um, when he got injured in the playoff game last year like this game has gotten very very dirty um, and, and this game this week I can talk we can talk about X's and O's and I will but I want to preface everything I say this game is not going to come down to X's and O's these are two good football teams right the Cincinnati Bengals have a good football team they're going to go and win games the Steelers have a good football team they're going to go out there and win games this game is going to come down to emotion, right? It's going to come down to two things. It's going to be the team that is smart and who wants it more. And I know Steeler fans are going to come into this game and they're going to say, well, this is a revenge game for the Steelers. 
you know, this is this is really a revenge game because while we're not 100% healthy, we're much healthier than we were going into that game in the playoffs. Um, and this is a team, the Bengals, that that you know have been dirty. They they tried to hurt AB. They tried to hurt Ben. They they hurt you know, and they did hurt those guys, and they hurt Le'Veon, right? And they took out all three of our you know big three. And this is a game where we can go in and we are at home and it's our home opener. We can go out there and we can really give it to them. Um, and I agree with all that. I mean, you know, in some ways, this is kind of a revenge game. Um, and this is this is kind of our way to tell the Bengals, like, hey, you know, you guys play dirty, but we're we're the better team. Um, but on the other side of the ball, I, I really think I, I, the the problem for me going into this game is that this is really a revenge game for the Cincinnati Bengals. This is their opportunity to come into Heinz Field for the home opener and get their revenge for what they perceive as being absolutely wronged in that playoff game. If you're a Cincinnati Bengal fan, you don't go back and look at that game and go, well, what an idiot Perfect was and what an idiot Pac-Man was and what an idiot Jeremy Hill was. No, you're looking at it the entire opposite way. You're looking at Shazier's hit and you're saying that was a dirty hit. I can't, you know, I can't believe they didn't call him for 15 yards and they got the fumble on that one. And you're looking at Munchak throwing Reggie Nelson out uh, by his hair. Um, you're looking at Joey Porter being on the field, right? And you're looking at these things as, as being, we were wronged. We were wronged in this game. We had them. We had them in the fourth quarter. We were up. We had the ball. Yes, we fumbled, but they couldn't move the ball. The Steelers were moving the ball. Everything was a check down to Tucson. It wasn't like AB was beating us, and then all of a sudden we get called for a penalty. And now Joey Porter comes on the field, shouldn't, been, shouldn't have been on the field, and now they get another 15-yard penalty, and now they got a chip shot field goal. And they didn't earn it. They didn't earn that trip down the field. Right? That's what you say if you're a Bengal fan. I don't agree with any of that shit, but I'm just saying that's what you think if you're a Bengal fan. So the Bengals are going to come into this game. They're, this is their revenge game, man. This is their opportunity to prove that they were wrong and they had that game. They had us last year. And I'm here to tell you, Steeler fans, they did have us last year. They had us. Because, yeah, they were dirty in that game and they hurt Ben after the play, but he still left the game. And Landry Jones was still in there. And Landry Jones wasn't leading us down the field. And while we were up 16 to nothing or uh, 15 to nothing in that game, uh, it was not the Steelers making big fourth quarter drives to put the game away. No, it was A.J. McCarron making big drives to bring the Bengals back into it. That's the fourth quarter. That's the fourth quarter that we don't want to remember. That's the one that you don't want, you don't want to go back and go, well, you know, the Bengals really did outplay us in the fourth quarter last year. I mean, they really did show some heart there at the end. Because they did. They did do that, but you don't want to go back and remember that part of it. You don't remember the last drive with, with Ben. But you don't want to remember those parts that I was talking about. We didn't go down and drive with A.B. that entire drive. A.B., I believe, had one catch on that drive. Toussaint had a bunch of catches, a bunch of catch and runs on that drive. It wasn't like we were going right down the field. If we don't get those 30 yards of penalties, I don't know that we're going to make that field. I mean, look, it's going to be a longer field goal, and I believe in Boswell, but it's probably going to be like 56 I don't know that he makes that field goal. I don't know. So if you're a Bengal fan, look, they feel wronged by this game. Should they feel wronged by it? No, their players were idiots, right? But they, but I understand that feeling. I understand how where they're coming from, that this is, this is their revenge game now because they're going to go out there and prove that we were the better football team on that field. And you guys got, you, you guys being the Steelers, got lucky that our guys were idiots and you got called for 30, we got called for 30 yards of penalties and put you guys in the position to win that game. Because otherwise, if those two things don't happen, the, the Cincinnati Bengals are walking out with their first playoff win of all, of, of, in forever. So that's what, this game's going to come down to emotion. And I think the Bengals, 
are going to come out feeling like this is their Super Bowl, right? To the Pittsburgh Steelers, yeah, this is a revenge game, and this is a rivalry game, and beating the Bengals is very, very important. But at the end of the day, it's week two. This is week two. This is a home opener. It's week two. This is not, the playoffs are not riding on this game. There's a lot of season left to be played. But for the Cincinnati Bengals, this is really going to be about proving that you were wrong, that we were the better team, that this is going to be our year. And that's what the Steelers have to watch out for. You know, this is going to be a very emotional game for the Bengals. This is going to be a game where they really are going to come out and try to give it to us. A lot like, you know, it, it's, it's a lot like that 30-3 to shellacking or whatever the game, the game was um, back when the, it was the opening day against the Ravens. And they just absolutely took it to us. They went, they went for two. I mean, the Steelers just weren't ready to match that intensity level. And that is because in previous years to that, the Steelers had embarrassed the Ravens in the playoffs. They had embarrassed them in the AFC Championship game, and then they had embarrassed them in the divisional round. And then the Steelers just weren't ready. You know, and, and it wasn't like they weren't prepared to play a football game. They weren't prepare, prepared to play that football game, right? This was this was opening day. So, like, yeah, I mean, we want to beat the Ravens, but it's opening day. Like, we got to work out our kinks. We gotta... But the Ravens, on the other hand, were thinking this is our Super Bowl. This is the year that we're going to come out there we're going to kick your ass. We're going to show you that we that you're not, you know, we're not number 2 in this rivalry. This is a rivalry because we can win. And that's what the Bengals are going to come out through. And you know, that, that's what I'm trying to get at here. Is like this is going to be an emotional game. The Steelers have to match that emotion or they will get, you know, they could there's a, there is a world in which the Steelers get absolutely dominated in this game because they just didn't match the the high intensity level. It's hard in week 2 to match an intensity level that is going to be as high as this game is going to be, but um, I think the Steelers are up to it. And I think if we're going to talk about X's and O's, look, this is going to be a game very opposite of what happened with the Kirk Cousins offense, right? They're not this, The Bengals aren't going to have Tyler Eifert, so we don't really have to worry about a tight end killing us. We do have to worry about A.J. Green. We have to limit him and making sure that he doesn't go off on us. Um, and we also have to get pressure on the quarterback. We have to get pressure on the quarterback in this game. This is going to be a game really predicated around do the Steelers get pressure. There's been a lot of talk in this offseason about the Steelers want to get pressure with four and we don't really want to blitz as much. And and I, I okay, I get all that. And I, I get that. But the Steelers rushed a lot of three and four against Kirk Cousins and they didn't get a lot of pressure. Now, Kirk Cousins doesn't take a lot of five or seven step drops. So it's not like you have a lot of time to get there anyway. But in this game against Andy Dalton, the way to beat him, you have to get to him. You have to get in his face. You have to get in his head. And he will make mistakes, right? He will give the ball back to you. But you have to make him, you have to force him into those. And that's what this team's going to be about. I, I want to see Arthur Motes and James Harrison and Jarvis Jones and Anthony Ciccolo and all those outside linebackers getting pressure. I want to see dominant performances from Cam Hayward and Stefan Tuitt. And I want to see this rookie Javon Hargrave out there. And I want to see him becoming a force, the force we know he can be. We saw him be in the preseason. That's what it's going to take. You know, we could talk about the secondary and how much time will Artie Burns get and, you know, how much time did he get against Washington. That's all cute and that's fine. That's not really what it's about. Look, Artie Burns ain't covering against A.J. Green. It's going to be William Gay, right? Sean Davis is going to have to cover the slot again, and uh, we're going to see Robert Golden out there. Look, I thought Robert Golden had a very, very good game against Washington, and hopefully he has a very good game against Cincinnati. But this, the the point I'm trying to make here is this is a a front seven game. This This is a game about the front seven. Hopefully Shazier plays. I don't have any update on his injury yet when I'm recording this. Uh, it's two, It's Wednesday morning. Um, there's still no 
indication as to whether or not he's going to be good to go. He said after the game he was going to be good to go, but you know players say that all the time. Uh, he was at the doctor yesterday during Tomlin's press conference, and we haven't heard anything since. So um, hopefully he's good to go. If not, we'll probably see a lot of L.J. Fort and uh, Vince Williams. Uh, I, I think those guys, you know L.J. Fort came in and the Steelers got creative with him. Um, he actually created a, a, some nice pressure at the end there. Um, but Shazier's loss would be big. And this is in a game that's going to be about the front seven. This is going to be about getting to the quarterback. Hey, so as I was editing this podcast, uh, they actually news on Ryan Shazier's injury came out. Um, David Todd uh, is reporting uh, that he was at the Steelers facility. Shazier said he's good. There was no brace, no limp, no anything. And NFL Network is reporting that while he won't practice today on Wednesday, um, there is a real chance that he plays on Sunday. So some good news about Ryan Shazier. All right, back to the show. Uh, and on the offensive side of the ball, this is about being aggressive. If you go back and you watch what the Steelers did against the Bengals last year, it's a lot of checkdowns. It was a lot of underneath stuff. It wasn't really throwing the ball downfield, being aggressive. And this, the Bengals do a very good job of taking away what the Steelers want to do. Um, but the Steelers have some new wrinkles this year, and they have to work them in. And, I, and by that, I mean Eli Rogers. You have to work Eli Rogers in. You have to find creative ways to get him space. You have to find ways to get Sammy Coates the, uh, involved uh, in the vertical passing game. And you have to be able to take to use those things to take some of the pressure off of A.B., who the Bengals have been very good about um, removing from these games or removing big plays of his um, from these games. So, you know, I don't expect Antonio to go out there and put up another, you know, eight catch, 130, two, 130 yards, two touchdown performance. Um, but I do expect him to, to have his, you know, to get his. Uh, I, I think that it's going to be about whether or not the Steelers can really enforce the running game. Because the Steelers have been very, very dominant uh, in these games when they've been able to run the football. You think back to those games in which Le'Veon really dominated or last year's game where D'Angelo really dominated uh, in that win. Those are going to be important aspects uh, of this win is going to be getting getting guys like Eli Rogers involved and then making sure that the running game is stout and that we can actually uh, move the football by running by running the ball um, and we'll be successful. I think the Steelers are going to come out of this game with a win. I really do. You know, I know I talked a lot about the Bengals, um, you know, and, and the intensity they're going to bring. Look, I, I think there is a version of this game in which we we get blown out. I don't think this. I, I don't think the Steelers are going to live in that one though. I think the Steelers have too much talent. I think that. We bring too much more to the table now that the the uh, the Bengals aren't going to be uh, fully prepared for, um, and I think the Steelers come away with with a twenty eight to twenty four uh, close victory. Um, but I like the Steelers because I'm a homer. All right, that's going to do it for Steeler Country this week. Thank you all for listening. If you want to leave feedback, SteelerCountry at gmail dot com is the email address. Uh, the Twitter is twitter.com slash SteelerCountry. Follow us at SteelerCountry. Uh, we live tweet a lot of the games. Uh, I'm on Twitter um, constantly. So follow us. Uh, we're, we're a good follow now on, on Steeler Country. We're not just alerting you when we're going live with the podcast. We're actually uh, providing analysis before, during, after games. Um, so follow us there at Steeler Country. You can uh, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Podcast, And we will see you next week.